Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vince in the Bay podcast. This episode is an interview with Adam Kajawa, director of Malware Bytes Labs. I met with Adam at the 2019 RSA Cybersecurity Conference in San Francisco and spoke with Adam about malware. Uh, we also discussed how he got into the cybersecurity industry and uh, some of his work with Malware Bytes and what Malware Bytes does exactly. We also talked about GDPR, the future of cybersecurity, and other malware and cyber-related stuff. Enjoy. And I'm now with Adam Kujawa. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Uh, and he's the director of Malware Bytes Labs. And uh, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for having it. me, Vince. So how's your RSA going so far? It's not bad. Uh, all this rain hasn't been fun to walk around in, but uh, but otherwise the conference seems to be going pretty well. There's a lot of interesting topics um, out there and a lot of interesting vendors. Cool. So tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your background? How did you get into the security industry and end up at Mal Malware Bytes? Well, I've uh, always been into tech, uh, was kind of a little junior hacker when I was a kid, and my dad was in um, computers and kind of got me into it as well. Um, and then I joined the military, and while I was in the military, they had uh, positions for people working with cybercrime and, and cybersecurity, um, which got me a lot of really good training while I was in the military. Uh, after that, I got out and did some government work, contracting work, um, and then finally said, you know, I'm, I'm done with the government, time to go to the, the private sector, and, uh, and that's what I did after that. And so I've been with Malwarebytes now for seven years, and uh, it's really a, a great organization. And what, what, do, what does Malware Bytes do? Our first um, product release was for consumers. We had uh, uh, Malware Bytes Anti-Malware, which is a um, pretty commonly used uh, remediation tool, basically do, do a scan on the system, identify any malware. Um, we give people free versions of this, and then the paid version or premium version of this uh, allows for like stopping malware in real time and stopping malicious websites and ransomware. Um, but we also have really delved into the small and medium-sized business space, and we have a lot of enterprise products for them, uh, allowing you know easy control of all other endpoints that have our products deployed uh, to be controlled from like a cloud console, and, uh, and really just make it easy as possible for the admins. You mentioned a few different uh, things there, like ransomware. Mm -hmm. Now, when I think of the word malware, I think that's a, a very broad term for a lot of malicious software. Yeah. Now, what are what are the different classifications of, of malware that you deal with? Uh, there's a lot, um, but the primary ones are just malware being the top hierarchy name, you know. Um, but Trojans, uh, ransomware, spyware, adware, um, potentially unwanted programs, which are just those, you know. Those skeevy things that install toolbars in your browsers and whatnot. So those are kind of the more popular ones we see, but also backdoor. Uh, there's lots of different things. The thing is, though, that these days, a lot of malware doesn't stick to that same designation like it used to. We see malware that takes on the same the roles of different types of malware. So uh, ransomware, for instance, talking about WannaCry uh, a couple of years back, that was some of us called it a ransom worm because it was technically ransomware, but it spread like a worm. Um, so that that additional functionality that people didn't expect really does kind of change the game. We're seeing more and more of that kind of dynamic, uh, almost modular type of malware. WannaCry that was a that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Now. Um, since then, what are what are some some other uh, variants of malware that you're seeing that 
maybe are different than WannaCry or, right. uh, you know, or, or maybe similar, but, but a variant of it. Or right. So we like still that. actually see some WannaCry just wandering around the Internet. This malware was designed to identify, automatically identify vulnerable uh, SMB ports. So a vulnerable port on a server, and then it would automatically launch this exploit against that port and uh, be able to execute the malware within the server itself. And then once it lands on the system, it starts to expand and look for other uh, endpoints that it can infect and other servers outside of the one that, you know, the network that it's currently on to infect as well. Um, Marcus, uh, remember his last name? Marcus Hutchins, Hutchins, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah mal- malware tech blog. Yes. Yeah. So back when WannaCry was happening, he uh, registered a particular domain that was not supposed to be registered, which is the stupidest thing I've ever seen malware do. Um, and therefore, it stopped encrypting people, but it still kept spreading. So WannaCry is still wandering around the internet looking for these vulnerable systems and then finding a lot of them. There's still hundreds of thousands of them out there. Um, but beyond that, the, the thing that we should take away from WannaCry and what happened is the fact that they utilized these exploits that were released by uh, the Shadow Brokers, which is this hacking group, but they stole them, uh, supposedly, from the NSA. And so the NSA had these exploits, they're called the, I'm calling them the Eternal Exploits, but they're Eternal Romance, Eternal Blue, you know, there's a lot of different kind of names for them, Double Pulsar is a backdoor that they use. All these tools were released by the Shadow Brokers and uh, and used for WannaCry, but nowadays we see the same kind of what I consider to be advanced persistent threat, you know, state-sponsored level um, functionality with those exploits being deployed in more commercial malware. So uh, there's the kind of the big bad boy right now is called Emotet. That's an information stealing. That's Emotet. Yeah, Emotet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it kind of sounds Egyptian, you know, like an Egyptian god. Yeah. But um, but so yeah, Emotet now will infect a system through a malicious phishing attack. You know, we see that a lot uh, where you'll get an email and then that email will have like a, an office document attached to it. And once you open up the document and it, it tries to trick you into clicking on enable content or something, it pretends to be something legitimate or this was made with an earlier version of Word and therefore um, you, know, you have to click enable content in order to read it. But what that actually does is launch a script which infects your system with malware. So that's how Emotet gets on the system. And we've seen a greater increase of their focus on businesses lately because they started adopting these same eternal exploits. And so now once they get on the system, then they start using these exploits to spread and act like a worm uh, throughout the entire network. And then they launch, they download additional malware and launch that. And then I mean, it just makes a whole kind of mess. But um, we've seen just this massive campaign of Emotet over the last year uh, and mainly because it's using these exploits. And we see other families as well doing that. And uh, what do you, has there been any uh, attribution with Emotet? Is, is there any idea of who the authors of it are? No. No. I mean, it, people like to, to point fingers. You could say Eastern Europe or something else. Um, it's primarily a Western attack. We see it mostly in the West and English speaking countries. So, uh-huh. like the top countries that are affected with this malware are like Australia, well, the US, number one, and then the UK, Canada, and Australia. Um, but most Western European and Western countries do have some emotet. So it's assumption that, you know, they're, whoever's doing it doesn't like the West because we don't see it in the East at all. So um, now we're in this, this age where a lot of enterprise is moving their systems and everything, their applications, everything into the cloud. 
How is the cloud affecting your, your business model? Oh, we actually have a product that is cloud-based. I mean, we had used to not, and now we do. And that, um, so that is definitely stepping into the, the new generation of enterprise solutions mm -hmm. um, with our own cloud-based software. But we're also trying to um, just overall help out a lot of uh, organizations and, and um, small businesses mainly. Like I said, that's our primary focus, small, medium-sized businesses. What these guys usually need to do in order to get their security up to par is hire out like a third party and what we call these uh, uh, managed service providers. And you'll hire them, they come in, they install all your security, and you're good to go. Um, and so we actually just released that we're um, going to be off, uh, an MSP offering that basically makes it really easy for MSPs to deploy our product uh, and, and help out their customers whenever they get infected or if they have any problems with licenses, the MSPs will be able to deal with this kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's a really good push in the right direction. Um, and I mean, overall, cloud security is, is incredibly important. I think that what's What's pretty cool about our cloud product is that it gives you additional information. Like, if you just have an on-prem solution, you know, this, this has been detected. This is what the uh, definitions say it is in this point in time. But if you have a cloud-based solution, you can say, "All right, upload this information up to the cloud," and then we have analysts, we have systems that say, "This is what this is. This is what this is trying to do," and pass that back to the uh, to the customer. So, I mean, that's there's a lot of opportunity uh, for that. Great. You know, last year around this time, GDPR was like a huge thing and it's been about a year now and I'm wondering looking back on that now how has uh, that legislation and other legislation like it like I think Canada has their own version of it yeah. California is going to introduce it, something yeah. now um, I would imagine that these new regulations would uh, be, a, be a boon for your business right, right. In, 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 in order to get your clients compliant so how, is, how have these new regulations impacted your business well for us we always um we always sanitize all the information we get from our customers, like telemetry-wise. Uh, and so in that sense, uh, that's how we're dealing with GDPR. But the big concern I think I have is that um, with policies like that, and you see more and more of them, information is harder to get, right? It's going to be more secure. You're not just going to find it on a server somewhere. So the cyber criminals are more interested in that value. Um, of, of information now, of actually getting that data. It used to be just, I can find it anywhere. So many breaches are happening, but now hopefully that'll be less common. And, and so, um, you know, we're trying to help out our customers by just making sure we detect that malware, we're able to stop it and, uh, and remove it. I mean, that's, that's really as far as we can go as far as helping them with their privacy. Um, the NSA released a new tool. They just released it on Tuesday. People are talking about it. Yes. It's a, it's a, a reverse engineering tool, like a debugger, right? So you mentioned earlier uh, shadow brokers were yeah. releasing the NSA's uh, uh, exploit kits and whatnot. Yeah. Now, here at RSA, <laughs> the NSA is now releasing their own tool. Yeah. It's a reverse engineering tool. Do you think they're going to put shadow brokers out of business by beating them to the punch? <laughs> You think they have it bugged? I've heard that. I've heard. I've uh, actually seen comments where people are like, people were were saying, "This is from the NSA. It's obviously got a back door in it." Um, 
maybe. But I, no, I, I, no, I'm not. I, I wasn't necessarily suggesting that. I just think that you have like WikiLeaks and shadow brokers and all these entities out there who like to to embarrass the NSA and the CIA by, yeah. by releasing their tools. And I think it's interesting that now the NSA is just like, screw it, we're just going to release our tools yeah. ourselves. We're I mean, going to beat is, you to the punch. This is one tool. I, I can say that I've. I know of a few tools that I used to use when I worked for them that I have not seen out in the wild. Really? Uh, yeah. So okay. I, I, this one, I heard the name before, but I never used it, so it could have very well been developed after I left. But, but yeah, I think this is a, a good push in the right direction as far as cooperation and, and almost a, a PR move, like a trying to fix their image. You know, look, we're helping researchers now. We're not just claiming that they're doing bad things. What do you think the privacy and security ecosystem will look like in five years? And how's it going to be different from today? Whew. Well, with privacy, that's um, we actually just released a report uh, about privacy. We did a survey of about 4,000 of our, of our readers, our customers, and we asked them, hey, how do you deal with privacy? Do you trust social media? Do you trust search engines? Most people don't to a significant degree do not trust social media or search engines with their um, with their personal information to not use it in ways that were they could be perceived as abusive um, so that kind of overall level of distrust uh, is going to push more and more efforts toward privacy you know with all the news that we've heard about with with Facebook and uh, and Google over the last few years mm-hmm. um, and both of those companies doing a lot to try and change their image and say oh look we're all we're all good people here and and we're going to protect your privacy, don't worry. So I think that within five years, we're going to see more um, examples and hopefully more technologies that allow people to put the security of their information in their own hands, you know, instead of relying on a bank or uh, a store or something to hold on to it for you. You know, it should be more of a, I have my information. If you want it, we can communicate and share it temporarily, but that's it, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if you can't protect it, then what am I supposed to do when my identity stolen? I mean, I know my name has been in a lot of different breaches, uh, from the OPM to probably other ones. Oh, wow. And I've had my identity stolen. I've had credit cards open up my name. I've had phones added to my phone account. Um, and it's annoying, and it's a pain to get back. And a lot of banks just treat you like you're a criminal anyway. Uh, some of them do anyway. So this privacy report, uh, if, if, if someone listening is interested in uh, checking it out, where can they find it? Sure. You can go check it out either on our blog, blog.mauerbytes.com, or you can go to our resources page, which is mauerbytes.com forward slash resources. Great. And if people want to stalk you on the Internet, how can they do that? Are you on Twitter? <laughs> I am on Twitter. I'm uh, at Kujman5000. That's K-U-J-M-A-N 5000. Cool. I'm going to stalk you, bro. Stalk Watch me. out. Stalk I'm coming me. at you, bro. I'm not, that I'm not going to steal your identity, though. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to steal I won't troll you. I'm just... What, what kind of stuff do you post? Like, uh, security-related yeah, stuff? Yeah, mainly security-related stuff. You know, retweeting of, uh, of what other researchers are doing and um, sometimes kind of asking questions as to why is it like this? You know? What do you guys think? And, uh, and, and if, if somebody listening just wants to learn more about what Malware Bytes is doing in general, where, where can they go for that? You can, I mean, you can go to our site, malwarebytes.com, and if you want, we got lots of information about all of our different offerings and our products. You can download the trial. Like, if you just want to try it out, download it for free. You got a, I think it's a 16-day uh, free trial of the premium version. So that's, that's a good amount of time to, to make sure that you're, you're scanned, you're good, and see if the, the product has value to you. Great. 
Well, Adam, thank you so much. Thank I really you appreciate you uh, taking time to talk with me a little bit and uh, enjoy the rest of your RSA 2019. All right. You too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vince in the Bay podcast. You can find more information on this episode and past episodes at vinceinthebay.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Actually, is it Apple Podcasts now? I don't know. I can't keep up with it. There's so many podcast applications out there now. I think it's called Apple Podcasts now. Uh, It's also on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Podbean, CastBox, Podcast Attic. Pretty much anything that has the word cast or pod in it. You can probably find the uh, my podcast on it. And hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com slash Vince in the Bay. Until next time, ciao.